What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Bridge Podcast, Season 4, Episode 16. I'm super excited you're with us today and super grateful that you're with us today as well. You could be doing a thousand other things, and the fact that you're listening is something that I put a lot of time and effort to. I just appreciate you and all that you do for me. So today we have a special guest I'm excited to, uh, to introduce, but before we start, today's quote of the day is, wherever you go, there you are. I'm going to say that one again. Wherever you go, there you are. So without further ado, today's guest is Roman. Um, we connected through a mutual friend, I'd say. Uh, Roman does a lot of stuff with self-awareness. You know, he's a digital advertising specialist, social media management. And he also, in your Instagram bio, it says plant-based cook. So I'm super interested to hear about that. So Roman, do you want to just introduce yourself and we'll go from there? Absolutely. Thanks, Gabe. I appreciate it, dude. Uh, what's up, everybody? Um, like you said, I'm Roman. Uh, I got a whole lot going on in general. Um, not nearly as much as Gabe's got going on here. Um, but yeah, I think uh, the plant-based kind of throws a lot of people off. I am no chef by any like professional standard. Um, I just love cooking and I went vegetarian like four or five years ago now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I eat primarily like if it wasn't for eggs, if I like eggs are like the last thing that I have to like give up and then it'd be like full plant-based vegan, like food wise. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't call myself a vegan by any stretch of the, the term because I don't, it's, I still use animal products like leather and stuff like that. So the mentality is not a hundred percent there. It's more so like just the consumption of food. Mm, gotcha. But yeah, and I, I post up, like I try, I should post up more of the stuff that I cook, um, but I post up, it's usually like once every couple of weeks, I'll just throw up like, Hey, this is what I made. And if you want the recipe, just DM me and I just send the recipe out. Mm, yeah, definitely. You should definitely do that new and interesting content to bring to the page. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right now it's a lot of books, quotes, and it used to be my dogs a whole lot. Um, and then I throw in those plant-based meals here and there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was scrolling through your content and I saw one of the pieces you said that you gave up social media for 75 days or something like that. You want to talk about that experience and what it brought? Yeah, absolutely. So the last two or three years now, I usually take like a month. I'll take like 30 days and I'll just kind of like disconnect. I just like all my personal accounts. I put on pause uh, for my previous job. And like even currently, like I run social media management for certain brands and companies and people and, and create content. So I can't delete them entirely sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um but I delete all my personal and I pause all my personal stuff and just try to like reset and stop consuming content and just try to just exist for 30 mm. days or whatever it was. And this year ended up being, I stopped Christmas day. I stopped, like I used to stream on Twitch and play video games with friends. And like I was streaming, um, making content, consuming way too much content, especially on TikTok. Mm -hmm. um, TikTok and YouTube just like consumed my life for a while. And Christmas day, was the last time that I streamed. The last time I posted, I think was Christmas Eve. Um, it was just done until um, I was actually laid off in the beginning of March um, with COVID stuff still going on. And that was when I was like, okay, this seems like a good enough time to jump back in and reconnect kind of with everybody um, and just try to approach social media now with a, a clearer mindset. I think mm -hmm. it was a better word than like, the way I used to look at it was very much like, look at me, look what I'm doing, mm. focus on this. And like, oh, you should do this and you should do that. And now when I approach it, it's what can I, what can I bring to the table that somebody may not already have or may not already know and just try to provide more value in a sense of 
Like if they're going to come and look at my content, like I want them to leave at least feeling like they learned something, whether it's about me or self-awareness or cooking or anything um, more so than just consuming it for the sake of, oh, that's an entertaining photo. Right. No, I love that. And when you do that, when you bring your true authentic self to the table on your Instagram, I think when others see that it influences and inspires them to do the same. And then you change the whole social media world of portraying this facade of, you know, I'm happy all the time, look at me partying and all this. So I appreciate your content for doing that because a lot of people don't do that, you know? Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I think that's, I like the messages that I get here and there, like whether it's from friends or new people who like find my page, like it, I feel like that's the most reassuring thing is when they connect and resonate with something, but then they also have like that vulnerability to reach out and be like, Hey, Mm. like, I appreciate what you did. And like, this absolutely helped focus my mindset or change it. Or I never thought of things that way. Are you like, I get the most, I'd say most of the questions I get uh, when I post plant-based stuff is how long have you been plant-based? What is it like? Why did you stop eating meat? Um, And then like, I just had a conversation with a friend that like we grew up together and we haven't connected in a decade, 15 years now. And Mm. Um, she reached out and we literally, it's just a conversation about why do you not eat meat? Is it for ethics? Is it for this? Is it for that? And a lot of those times, like I see people online and they get really like aggressive or they feel mm. really attacked when people want to have those conversations. And for me, it's never, I never assume that somebody's attacking me when they ask questions, unless they're obviously blatantly attacking, but I don't, right. I feel like most people nowadays don't even do that. Like they'll drop comments here and there and they'll be snarky or like make snide remarks. But most of the time people won't DM anybody to say, Hey, you suck. Right. Yeah. I think when I talk, right. I think that that provides an insight to just having open dialogue with, you know, who people are and things like that. Do you want to talk about, um, so what was your job before you got laid off and kind of, did you have a social media job before that? Or did you just jump into that this year with COVID and things like that? So I've been, uh, I've, to say obsessed with social media for quite a while. Like I remember Instagram first coming out on like iPhone three, like I, I've just like, I've really been attracted to social media and the amount of like attention it gathers. Mm-hmm. So I've always been interested in it, but my last job was, uh, I've worked in the alcohol industry now for, God, it's probably been like almost a decade. And my last job, I helped a small business, a father and son team. Uh, they started with one location. Uh, I came on when they opened up the new con they opened up a new concept and I came in on day two and worked for them for the last six and a half years or so and basically built and helped scale that business from we did from started at one location uh, we built up two more locations closed down one of them and then was just basically like everything in between daily operations HR hiring training firing and then I would do social media on the side mm. so a couple years ago um, we, I reached out to the owner and said, Hey, like I've got two store managers that are absolutely killing it right now. Like they've got assistant managers, like everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing. We're at a point that we could really push and scale this even further. Like I just want to jump into the marketing and advertising side mm-hmm. and I don't have a, I don't have a marketing background. My mother went to school for marketing. Um, I've always been intrigued by marketing and advertising. Um, sales always comes, it's, I used to work retail. So sales for me is mm-hmm. like, it came naturally after learning it growing up. Um, and doing the sales side is like, it's not that much different from advertising and marketing. It's knowing how to communicate and like present the products in a way that people want to have them and have that emotional connection that says, Oh, I need that. Mm. Um, so I jumped in and said, Hey, I want to do this. I want to focus on the advertising and marketing side. And for the last two years, just really kind of focused on that. And it was end of December last year. 
right before I took the social media break, I actually connected with uh, her name, Cynthia Sandoval, and she does uh, paid advertising. And that's actually what got me into it was not only seeing her content and talking to her a couple of times, but I actually signed up to have her as my coach. And mm. she only takes on a few people, I think like two or three times a year. So I asked her and we ended up doing like an hour and a half long Zoom call. It's supposed to be 30 minutes. We talked for like an hour and a half. And she's like, I think this program would be great for you. Like if you want in, like, let's do it. And like, let's start. Um, so started to work with her for the first couple months of the year and just like expanded my knowledge of like, I thought I understood Facebook ads. I thought I understood Google ads. And in all reality, like I had barely scratched the surface of what the capabilities were of them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, came come March, the, the owner said the money wasn't coming back in like the loans. Like, I don't know if he applied for the next loans, but said he couldn't afford to keep paying me offered to put me back inside the stores, but that would take away a store manager's job or an assistant manager's mm-hmm. job. I told him, I was like, I'm not going to do that. Like, we'll just call it a clean break and I'll just be done. Um, and then kind of focused in on building up my own mini, I, I, w- I don't want to call it, I call it an agency, but it's not an agency. It's literally just me mm-hmm. um, getting clients and then doing advertising and social media content and management and basically just kind of dipping my hands and seeing what I want to do with it as opposed to, honing in right now and just trying one thing. I'm just trying to see what all is out there. Mm. Yeah. I love that. And I love your, you know, putting your hands in different buckets of water, like see what works for you. I think that's super powerful. And especially as a college student, I see it. Everyone just dips their hand in one bucket of water and then they throw their hand all the way down in the bucket, you know, and then next thing you know, you're four years down the road and you graduate with something that may not be what you really wanted to be and truly like are here to do. So I think that's super powerful that you did. And that's super powerful that you turned, um, you know, an obstacle into an opportunity, you know, looking at, oh, how can I use this minor setback and have a major comeback and do something that's even better? So how do you, so you talked about you worked with that company kind of in with the sales part as well. And you've been doing the Facebook, Instagram ads how do you create that like emotional attachment that you were talking about with your, your customers and consumers of whether that be content or a product or things like that? Uh, I, I think like, I, I think you actually touched on it at the same time as like the emotional connection to one of those products is literally just that. I think it was with Steph's podcast. I'm trying to remember now, like mm-hmm. while I say it, um, the podcast you talked with her is, like that authentic self, that transparency, the the uh, vulnerability. I looked at that post too that you had posted up about Brene Brown. And I, I just listened to her podcast with Simon Sinek the other day. And they mm-hmm. talked about vulnerability too. Um, but it's when people come to see an ad, it's more than just, hey, buy this product. Mm-hmm. I think it's more along the lines of like, you have to make that emotional connection. And that doesn't just happen with one single ad. And I get asked that, like literally have calls. I had a call on Monday that, they wanted to just start doing ads on Facebook because they heard that that's how you make money and just doing a quick audit of the profile is very, very like obvious that people just want that, like the quick money, like, Hey, Mm. I'm going to put money in. I want money out. Like I want to make this like super quick. And that's not how advertising works. Like there's a reason that these funnels exist and, and people teach top of the funnel, middle of the funnel, bottom of the funnel. And Hey, we could, we could get you in here and then just try to like take you on this journey. But it is all about the journey. Like, Nike didn't start up as an overnight sensation. Like mm-hmm. nobody is overnight. Like there's decades worth of work uh, that everybody's putting in. And when they finally do blow up and now Nike's a household name, like right. nobody thinks about the fact of like 
where it all started. Same thing with Amazon. They're like, everybody's mm-hmm. like, oh, it started in a garage. But like what he actually went through for, I don't even know how many years before it finally clicked with books. Yep. And it's like, okay, like now like people buy, like granted I'll buy books on Amazon, but that's not what I think of when I think of Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, taking people on that journey through not just the advertising, but the content as well. Like if you're if your Instagram page or your Facebook page is nothing but, Hey, buy my product, buy this, buy this, support me, support me. Like people don't resonate with that. People don't want to buy from somebody who's constantly asking for their money. Mm. People want to come and Like, if you're not giving them value, if you're not giving them a reason to come back and even have a conversation, um, like they're not going to want to buy your product. And I can't tell you the amount of times that I see like smaller creators, like make merchandise and they're doing, uh, what is it? Print on demand but the Mm -hmm. customer service aspect is not there at all because Mm -hmm. it's so disconnected that they're like, Oh, well, I'll make $7 off of each t-shirt, but I don't have to hold inventory. I don't have to design anything on my own. It's very like hands-off. But when, if I order a shirt from them today, I'm not going to get it for another month. Right. And in in a day and age where everybody wants stuff immediately, like I've already forgotten, I bought it a month from now. And then when it shows up and it's subpar quality, like I don't want to buy it anymore. Like it wasn't worth it. It took too long. It's not good quality. And I can't even reach out to talk to anybody because it's not their company. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think in general, like it, to have successful advertising, whether it be through Instagram, Facebook, Google, I mean, YouTube, I just got an email yesterday that talked about Hulu is now offering uh, like OTT ads for small businesses, like a local business could now advertise on Hulu. Mm. So I, di- I didn't look at pricing or structure or how anything that works. I just got the email that said, Hey, this is now open to small businesses. So you could locally target Hulu. Granted, even on Hulu, I feel like people still skip the commercials. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. What's, what's your first step when a creative or a small business reaches out to you about marketing and sales? What's your first step for trying to help them or realizing like, is this the the place for me in this company to help? What's your first thought, your thought process and things like that? Uh, well, being honest, I have a really, really bad habit of convincing myself that like, oh, anybody who reaches out, like there's potential for me to help them. I can help them mm. in some way, some shape or form. So that's like, it's been really damaging for me because I'll spend weeks with a client, potential client, because they don't even sign on. And I'm just, hey, here's this, here's this. I can do this. You can do this. Like in a realistic timeline, we'll give you 90 days. We could have this kind of like setup. And then when you're ready to run ads in three months, six months, a year, like you'll be ready to go. Like your landing right. page is done. Everything's built up and I'll spend weeks with clients just for them to be like, oh, I'm not really, really ready right now. So I have, like, I need to learn how to rein myself back in. Um, but the first thing I do, like immediately upon anybody being interested is I audit all of their social I could find mm-hmm. their person, like if their personal pro- profiles are like public and a lot of people I feel like are making them private now, which is the opposite way. I feel like we should be going, but to each their own. Um, but I just audit everything I can possibly find on the company. Like how easy is it to find them? What kind of content are they putting out? What are they, are there, is there actual engagement? Is mm-hmm. there like cool, like likes and followers are cool, but at the same time, like they don't translate to actual conversations. Like, are they responding to people in the comments? Like that's mm-hmm. one that I see like, if you are a small business and you don't respond to people in the comments, like, yeah. dude, like that's the biggest like opportunity for so many businesses that I've talked to is like, they don't respond to Google like reviews. They don't respond to Facebook when Facebook was doing like reviews heavy, like mm-hmm. nobody was responding to even say thank you to the good ones. They would just go to the bad ones and be like, oh, well, you're wrong for giving me a bad review. Mm-hmm. I'm like that, that's like, I'm not even in PR. And like, I feel like that's PR 101 is you don't come right. out and say, no, you're wrong for feeling that way. Like, 
Um, but yeah, I do like the first thing is the audit is just making sure like I have a better sense of what they're actually doing. So when they come to me and say, hey, my ads aren't delivering or hey, something's wrong and I don't know how to fix it or what's wrong with my content. And it's like, well, unfortunately you're paying somebody on Fiverr who isn't based in the US and you're just creating like ad like post and it doesn't do anything. It's not relevant. Right. And that's like, I think that's a hard one for people to swallow is they're getting such a good deal on Fiverr. And don't get me wrong. Like I love Fiverr. Like I freelance on the side. What, like, what is, what is Fiverr? I, I have no idea. Oh, so Fiverr is a freelancing platform. Okay. So it, yeah. F I V E R R.com. And they originally, their whole goal was to start like job start at $5. Um, and now they're trying to get away from that and do $10 minimums. Uh, but you could essentially hire graphic design artists, freelance writers, mm. like uh, ghost writers. You could do website design, uh, SEO, Google ads, Facebook ads, like you can hire freelance for pretty much anything on Fiverr now. Like I hired somebody to do um, emotes for when I was doing Twitch streaming. It was like Mm -hmm. 30 bucks for three emotes. And I'm like, cool. Like I know Photoshop a little bit. I know Mm -hmm. enough to get by, but I can't make these tiny little pixelated images look good. Um, So like on the freelance side, it's like, it's hard because they're paying $5 and they're getting five images. So they're paying like a dollar an image, Mm -hmm. but the images are just like, they're not good. And I'm like, you could go to Canva and use a template for free and literally (laughs) just change the words and it would look better than some of that stuff. Um, But I get it. Like I get the mentality of like outsourcing, like what you're, you don't want to do, or you're not good at. Um, I just wish there'd be a lot more. I wish I'd see a lot more faces on social, a lot more people's actual personalities rather than stage designs or pretty profiles that are just like every other one is white, black, or pink, green. And just Mm -hmm. like, it looks really good, but does that, does that translate to actual money in anybody's pocket? Like I, I have yet to see it translate. I could be completely wrong. I just, when I go to an Instagram profile, I'm not looking to see how pretty it looks from the outside. Like, mm. like I like even on yours where like, I can read the caption that says, Hey, like think about this before you do this or mm. ideas on vulnerability. And like, even going back, like some of your more faith-based stuff is like, uh, I think one of them was like a thousand steps towards God. Mm-hmm. was one of them yeah i was like but like i know what i'm getting into before i even click on it right. so like the relevance it speaks louder than oh here's a picture of a necklace that has nothing to do with what i'm looking for but it mm-hmm. looks good because it's a gray background right and it just yeah yeah i think when you can can there was a lot to unpack right there that you said that was beautiful mm-hmm. but um just this idea of presenting yourself as your true and authentic self on instagram and also this idea of do the opposite, something one of my mentors, Jarrell Cison, he's been looking out for me. I've been helping him on his Instagram page and this and that. But with everything, he says, do the opposite. If everyone's walking over here, posting this type of content, this and that, you know, the pretty pictures like you mentioned, I'm going to do the opposite. And then that's how I not how I stand out, but that's just who I am in. And I'm going to show that on social media because when people start showing their not their true and authentic selves, I think the audiences that consume that, it just makes them feel worse about themselves. If you see someone on Instagram posting pictures every night of them smiling, you know, out partying, but really just in the picture you smile and you're, you're having a terrible time every time, you're making the person seeing your content say, oh, why am I not happy 24-7 going out to parties and doing this and that? And especially in college, I can see that firsthand of, of people. And I hate it when people aren't authentic and genuine on social media. So I really see where you're coming from. And also this idea of with your, your clients and things like that is 
my brother owns a gym off campus at the school I'm at, but he always says, treat people like family and they become family. So with your clients, if they, if they're authentic and true to themselves, I can treat them like, like family, no problem. And then you build that relationship and then it becomes more than, Oh, Roman, can you run some ads for me? You know, you create that connection. Then there's even marketing opportunities there. Like, Oh, you need help with Facebook ads. I have this guy and you never know where will that, will that, where that will take you. And it all starts with being your true and authentic self. Absolutely. Yeah. I think a lot of people are afraid to share who they are. And, and I even encourage on Monday, <clears throat> There's a, a nature preserve that's like whatever a mile from my house. And I used to go like every single day, sometimes multiple times a day. And just like, I like getting out in nature, especially when it's mm-hmm. nicer weather out here, like in the Southwest, like it, when it's nice, it's nice. But when it's hot, it's gross. And like, nobody wants to be outside. And I get that, but I, I digress. It's um, seeing people think that vulnerability and this, uh, this is why I posted was talking about Brene Brown earlier. And that's why I resonated with your post so much was mm-hmm. uh, like the idea of vulnerability. People think it has to be like, I have to share something, some deep, dark, dark secret, or I have to share something that's like traumatizing to me or transformed my life. And I don't know what that may be. And that's, to me, that's not what vulnerability is. I think vulnerability is that expression of who you really are and, and mm. what you're bringing into this world, regardless of what somebody else may think of it. And so I encourage people on Monday, I just posted up on my story and I recorded myself talking to it. And it was just like, Hey, like just post something you're proud of this week. Like mm. one thing that you've done that you're absolutely proud of. And like, you don't one, you don't know where that's going to lead to because there may be somebody on your page that resonates with that way more than, Oh, look at these new shoes that I got. Or like you right. said, like I got, I got this new, like I'm out partying all night on the weekends. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Like if you're into that lifestyle, that's awesome. Like I just don't expect to follow for me because I don't, that's not me. And I don't want to see that. Like, like you said, that self comparison comes in mm. and then I feel I, like it's unintentionally making me feel worse about myself because you're out and flaunting money left and right. And the, for the majority of us, like that may not be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I think that vulnerability in general looks more like expressing yourself than it does talking about deep, dark traumas and stuff like that. And anytime I post about like, uh, I'm very open when it comes to like, I post about crying the other day and a lot of dudes don't want to talk about when the last time they cried was. And like, mm-hmm. I just posted up a, a ranking meter, like on Instagram and it's like, Hey, like when was the last time you cried? And I put like one week all the way to six weeks and you just slide the bar. Like, where was it at? All of the dudes that responded was like six plus weeks, six plus weeks, six plus weeks. I'm like, dudes, I feel like one, you're probably lying, but Mm -hmm. two, like why six weeks? Like what is your life that great all of the time? And I I may be wrong again. I feel like it's hard to believe that nobody has a bad day where like, you just feel like emotional overwhelm Mm. and crying is a very easy, quick way to get it out. And it may suck for the hour, but when you're done, like, I feel like that release in your mm-hmm. body, that release of tension is like absolutely worth it. Yeah. Um, but, but it's very easy for me naturally to want to talk about that stuff. Cause it doesn't, it doesn't hurt me to talk about like, Oh, what, what John Smith over there thinks about me from the internet, because he saw me post about how I'm not happy and I'm struggling, or I posted about getting laid off. And some people are like, are you doing okay? And I'm like, yeah, I appreciate you reaching out, but like, I'm not posting online for, like uh sympathy i'm posting online Mm. to say hey here's where i'm at and here's the opportunity that i'm taking from it and had you like read through it you would have actually seen that that was the goal of it Mm -hmm. they just read to like oh they read to one part and they're like i better make sure which Mm -hmm. is cool like i like i said i appreciate people reaching out i think there's just a a disconnect of reading thoroughly through some of that stuff too but that's jumping way topics (laughs) no no no. i love that 
and just the like even the crying thing i posted about me crying last semester i was like i was overwhelmed i had a bunch of stuff going on and uh like crying kind of what from my point of view what crying does is you know you got all this baggage on your shoulders and whether that's true baggage and it's going to obviously it's going to take more than crying to unpack some things in life but this idea of crying is that that temporary release you know you take it off your shoulders and you let it out into the world it's not all bottled up because when you bottle so many things up you're you're bound to break right so having that that idea that that knowledge about yourself saying it's okay for me to cry first of all but second it brings you like a way to release your baggage, to release the things that you've bottled up healthily, you know, rather than you hit your max breaking point and you need, you know, weeks to recover from it. Rather you can do like, I'm not saying purposely cry, you know, when you go through a bad <laughs> thing, but be, if it, if it's going to happen, like don't hold it back. Like it's okay. And also don't, once you unpack that experience, not to be afraid to talk about it. So after I unpacked my experience of crying, I was on a Zoom call with an old teacher of mine and a few other people in this Facebook group I was in. And I told them that I cried and it was five girls never met in my life. And then one of my old teachers and I talked about that experience and I was so glad even when I opened up on it, it even released even more, you know, of the baggage I was carrying and things like that. So I really appreciate you posting something like that, but also commenting that you know there's the stigma of oh all men have to be tough like don't cry don't this but it's like no be gentle and kind with yourself be like loving of yourself like if roman and i like roman and i were friends if it was gabe to gabe is my self-talk a friendship that i want i'd want to have you know the way I talk and treat myself, if I could see that firsthandedly with two different people, is that someone who I want to be friends with? So I think that's really important in all aspects of life with whoever you want to be with, whatever you're doing is that self-talk. And I just, I felt like I just made like 50 connections right there, but <laughs> um, yeah, my mind, dude, my mind does that all the time, you know, just make like 50 connections. Forget what we we're just talking about the whole time. Uh, yeah. Oh, I totally resonate with that. Like <laughs> hardcore. Like, I feel like that's uh, I see it on TikTok a lot now is they're like underlying signs of uh, ADHD as you get older. And I'm like, do I, do I have this? Like <laughs> you're talking about like mind racing. I'm like, dude, my mind absolutely does that. Like, and then now I'm like hypochondriac to the point of like, do I have this? Do I have that? Right. Um, no, knowing that full well that like there, I don't think that there is any chance. I just think that they make it super relatable for like a conversation like this. If somebody was like, Oh, you may have this because your mind just wandered. It's like, really? Like, I don't know right. about that. Right. But absolutely. I think like the self-talk, I don't remember who I heard talking about it recently, but the way that the, the way that they phrased it was, would you ever say the things that you say to yourself alone? Would you say those to your friend? And if the answer is no, then you need to change how you're speaking to yourself. Because if I would never sit there and tell myself or my friends, like, you're worthless, like, you shouldn't be doing this, you're not good enough. So then why am I talking to myself that way? Mm. And, and like, it, it, like, right off your point of like, treat yourself the same way you would treat your friends and, and not speak so harshly against yourself. But yeah, circling back, like that to toxic masculinity and, and like, holding stuff in and being like, internalizing, like, three years ago, four years, probably four years ago now, 
version of me would not be the same person who's talking to you today because I was very bad about internalizing and just like holding everything in until I either burnt out and broke down and was just like unreachable for two weeks Mm -hmm. or was just like a mean person. Like I just didn't want to be around anybody. People didn't want to be around me because it was just everything got on my nerves because like you said, like that backpack was so full that Mm -hmm. I hadn't had a chance to put any of it down and it just kept stacking and stacking and stacking. So yeah, it wasn't until like two or three years ago that I really started to just focus on this self-awareness kind of journey as a whole and just push out all of the old versions of me that like I didn't want to exist anymore. Mm -hmm. How do you unpack those things now versus the person you were a couple years ago in a healthy manner where you're more self-aware and things like that? Like what is your process of that? Uh, Right now. So over the last two months, I've been trying to get more, more and back into meditation again. Uh, I'm trying to get my time up every week. I try to add another minute. So I'm trying to get above 10 minutes every morning. Um, journaling has started to help. I didn't realize like how much even just mind dumping in a journal and just getting everything written down that I'm thinking about and anything that comes up is fair game to write down. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how powerful that was. Even when I hear people talk about how powerful journaling is, I never realized it until I actually started to like make it more of a habit where I'm journaling two, three, four days a week every morning. And it's usually after meditating because I'll mm-hmm. let my mind when my mind wanders and bring it back. Like some of those things, like I'll put a pin in so that I can write about them afterwards. Um, I do that. And then the biggest thing for me is like taking time after conversations or interactions or anything that may not have gone the way that I wanted them to go and just sit and, okay, how did I respond? Like, Mm. was I like objectively go over like my words and if it's on video, then it's easy for me to see how was I approaching the situation? Was I aggressive? Was I unsympathetic? Like what could I have done differently to adjust the conversation? And then I have to go and make amends to that person if I was in the wrong or when I am in the wrong, like I have to then reach out and say, Hey, I want to talk again real quick. Like Mm -hmm. I messed up. Like I should not have talked the way that I talked. And like, I learned that from a bad relationship breakup was just my communication style back in the day was not good. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was part of that internalization of like, well, if I just hold it in, it'll go away. And now it's okay. I can't hold it in anymore. Like I need to go and say, sorry, like now, Mm -hmm. because the relationship is more important, whether it be like romantic or just like platonic, like, the relationships are now more important to me than like me being right or me feeling mm. like I did, like, like I was, Oh, this is me. So just take it or leave it. Like that's just the ego yelling saying, Hey, like pay attention and not actually being genuine with your friends and, and uh, partners. Mm, I love that. And I love how you brought up at the end there about the ego, uh, Ryan holiday an author. I follow a lot. He has a book. Oh, titled, absolutely. <laughs> yep. Ego. All about e- him. Yeah. Ego is the enemy. And to then, you know, you you talked about it to have that self-awareness to, re- first of all, reflect on situations is something that's overlooked, I think. But also having that self-awareness enough of, you know, do I want to be right or an effective communicator? Do I want to be right or do I want to foster this relationship? Do I want to be right or, you know what I mean? Like, am I just straight up being a good friend, period? And to, I think it's really important to reach out to people, even if they don't take it that way and they didn't see it as the wrong for you to reach out to them shows a lot and shows that you care about them and can strengthen the relationship even further than you imagined. Right. So I think that you bring up great points on that. And especially with the ego to, to put that aside. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That, I think the ego is the, the hardest thing and, and, 
even like with my roommate currently, like we'll have uh, like conversations in general. And it's like, it's hard when somebody calls you out on it, like when you're speaking mm. from the ego, but it, I feel like that's like more necessary communication that a lot of people haven't started doing. So I try to make an effort in with the people that I'm closest with and comfortable with. And they know how I speak with to, like how I speak in general, like I'm not afraid now. And I ask them to not be afraid to like, kind of call me on my shit. Like if mm. I'm talking about something and I'm like kind of going off and it's bordering that, like, Oh, this is your ego speaking. Like, this isn't like what's actually going on. This is like your romanticized emotional connection screaming, like to protect yourself from being wrong or not looking the greatest in somebody else's eyes. And, and it's nice to have, like, I've probably got two or three people that I could, when we talk and just in general have conversations, like I, I'm not afraid to say how things are because I know if I go too far, they're going to bring me back in and mm. I can do the same for them. And it's just, I feel like that's more healthy relationships that a lot of us should work towards to say, Hey, like I'm not always in control, like how I'm speaking. So if you notice me going off the rails, like pull me back in and say, Hey, like you're wrong right now. Like you mm -hmm. trusted me already. So like, I'm telling you, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's super powerful. And to, to have like the knowledge and know that and have the trust in your friend who says, yo, bro, like, chill out or maybe like let's redirect this is super powerful and shows how deep a, a relationship and friendship is i think i can't remember who said this but true friendships are when you can come to to people with the good stuff and they can celebrate and congratulate you but they're also the people you can come with the bad stuff and they won't judge you for it because they're absolutely yeah they're your friend first and not just what oh what does roman bring to the table for me it's like i want what's best for him as well as for us together yeah that's i've lost a lot of friends on this whole self-awareness journey you see really quickly like who is actually there for you and who is not there for you like who wants something from you versus who is genuinely like what can i do to help you when you're mm -hmm. struggling like i learned really really quickly like the people who i could rely on and who i couldn't rely on when i started asking those deep questions like when i wasn't in a good space and like uh, like just effective communi communication thinking about it now it just kind of came up was asking my friends like hey do you have a minute for me to unpack mm. like I just need to mind dump like uh, that and then listening to Tom Bilyeu as well him and Lisa mm. his wife talk about uh, effective communication in relationships and say are you looking for a solution or are you looking for comfort mm. so like that I feel like is the most powerful like even in platonic relationships in general is just like what are you looking for out of this conversation? Do you need me to help you solve something? Or do you just need me to listen and to like mm. be by your side and just show like uh, just that, that, that level of comfortability and say, hey, like I'm here for you. Mm. And I feel like starting to do that is again, like that's a game changer for relationships and communication. Like what can I do for you? What can you do for me? And like, what are you looking for out of this like interaction mm -hmm. without it being like, what do you need from me? So to speak, it's more like, do you need me to listen or do you need me to solve? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great concept. And Mel Robbins brings that up too. She has conversations with her daughter about that all the time. But it's like this idea of how can I be of support of you in this situation? Like you mentioned, do you want me to help solve or do you want me to listen? Because I can, I can do both. But being clear on what you want is something that's super powerful from the person who's trying to solve or go through whatever they're going through. And to communicate to your friends is super powerful, I think. Yeah, I think that's like inadvertently you are creating more people who are becoming more self-aware by doing so. Like if you have that strength to say, 
what do you need from me out of this communication? Like, do you need me to help you solve it? Do you need me to help comfort? You're forcing the other person to think about what they actually need from it, mm-hmm. which in turn is like flicking that light switch on that says they're becoming more and more self-aware of like their inner desires. Like, what do I actually need from this? Because a lot of times people don't realize like they may just need an ear and they mm-hmm. don't need you to solve it. And yeah. I've run into that in the past too, where I just, my, my go-to instinct being like in business in the past and and like, it's just like solve problems. Like if there's a fire, you need to go and put it out. What's the most efficient and fastest way to put something out. So mm-hmm. when people would come to me, my go-to reaction was always, what can I do to solve this? And when it wasn't until I started asking, like, do you need me to solve? Do you need me to listen? Like, mm-hmm. what do you need out of the conversation that they started to think even harder about, Hey, I'm going to preface this conversation with, I just need you to listen. Mm-hmm. And here's everything that happened today, whatever it may be. Here's my day. I'm just feeling really down and shitty. And I just like, I just need to get it out. And then there's other conversations where they're like, hey, I need you to help me solve this problem now. And mm-hmm. now we're, we're creating more people that we're increasing their level of self-awareness without anybody really knowing until they're now ask, answering their own questions before even coming to another person half the time. Right. And answering those own questions, those own questions, sometimes even solve the problem before you even, you know, present it. Yep. <laughs> I'm a huge, I'm a huge believer in that when like in life when you're solving issues or whatever, rather than look externally, turn inward and you can find all the solutions. So even the, the idea of prefacing when something happens, it allows you to unpack that experience and think, oh, why am I thinking this way? Oh, what do I want out of this situation? And really unpack situations because nothing at face value is what it is. But once you reach beneath the surface, dive deeper into the water, in the ocean, whatever you want to call it, that's when you find the roots of the things and how to, to solve the problem. Absolutely. That the emotional triggers are what, what is this trying to teach me? Like life is happening for me, not life Mm. is happening to me. And even listening to, um, uh, Jay Shetty was talking to Will Smith. I haven't even watched the whole interview. I just saw a clip that he posted the other day and he was talking about how he compared life to people think life is like a candy store where you can just go around, take whatever you want. And it's, it's just like a free for all, but in all reality, it's actually like a classroom where you need to be learning every single day, not just mm. out there trying to take whatever you can and just get all of the goodness out of everything. It's, it's the classroom of like, are you learning every single day? Like, what did the situation teach you? Like, if you got upset, like, why are you actually upset? Like you mentioned, like, going internally and answering those questions as opposed to, Oh, well, I got upset and just kind of moving on from it. Mm -hmm. Like doing that hard work and unpacking, like, why was I the way I was? Why did I react the way that I react? And even if it's an answer you don't necessarily like, you're at least doing that work to like get it out now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. Be, be an intern of life and be in the classroom all the time. I know you touched on this way early in the podcast, but you talked about life coaching um, my godmother is a life coach and she's been helping me a lot for the past two years. Yeah. Over two years now. And, um, I was curious of your experience of going into life coaching, what your, your thoughts were and things like that. Cause I think it's super powerful, especially for, for super young people to look in, look into investing into a life coach. But I think, it's the idea of, do I want to put money into something like that when rather our generation is so easy to say, oh, I'll get Chipotle. Oh, I'll get this Amazon shirt. Oh, I'll get this and that. But they don't want to invest in life coaching or in this book or in this Facebook community with someone. Do you want to touch on on how you navigated through that and into your life coaching? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, like 
So I just to clarify, like the coach that I had, Cynthia, she was more of like a business mentor. Okay. Um, teaching me more of the business stuff inadvertently also taught me like a lot of life skills that mm. like I didn't really think about at the time and what I was going through struggling with work and, and what I wanted to do with my career and was just kind of like in limbo. She kind of really helped like straighten that out, having like a third person perspective that like somebody who you respect and can look up to like it's it it works wonders it changes everything i think like if people are going to invest i think the first thing should be like a financial person like mm-hmm. learn financial literacy first like mm. my father taught me growing up about credit and credit cards and said hey here's the best way to do it here's how to navigate it like all of that stuff so that way when i like when i turned 18 like i was ready to get a credit card and like start building credit so mm. now like I go to, I move and I turn on uh, electricity and water and they're like, oh, we got to run your credit. Like, is that going to be an issue? I'm like, no, run it. Like, don't worry about that. Like I had to go buy a new car like two years ago out of nowhere, like company car goes away and I just have to go buy a car. Mm-hmm. And my roommate's looking at me. He's like, you can just go buy a car right now. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm not stressing it. Like, I know my credit's in a good spot. Like I know how to save money. I know how to budget, like mm. learning that skill first, like pay somebody to teach you. If you can't learn it on Google or YouTube and you don't want to put the time in, like, I feel like people should pay for that and then upgrade to life and business coaching as well. Like Mm. people are always like, Oh, like, will you be my mentor to other people? Like, instead of asking somebody to be their mentor, like pay for their coaching program, like get in and learn to communicate with them as an equal, instead of putting them on this pedestal that says you are this, like, I don't even know, like, uh, almost like a holier than thou, because like, I don't know if I'll ever reach where you're at, but Mm -hmm. like, I admire you so much. And instead, like you could support them and in turn, like they'll support you with the knowledge and information, mm-hmm. even if it's a pre-recorded class, like chances are that course comes with a one-on-one Zoom call or weekly group Zoom calls where like you are actually networking with like-minded people because you signed up for it just like they did. Like mm-hmm. you're not going to a, a group with anonymous people that says everybody's into different stuff and we don't know why we're here. Like mm-hmm. y'all are there for the exact same thing. You may have different end games, but you're there for that same person and their knowledge. Right. But I absolutely think that like life coaching, uh, like financial literacy, business coaches in general, I think therapists are like a major investment that like everybody should be spending on. Like the most recent thing I've been talking about and like trying to unpack in general is like um, this kind of goes off on a tangent here, but uh, like generational trauma in general and Mm. unlearning the stuff that our parents didn't know that they were doing wrong, Mm. so to speak. And I I use wrong like very lightly there because they did the best they could with the information that they had. Mm -hmm. So unpacking that now and saying, okay, well, like I admire these parts of my mom or my dad or whatever, like I admire these parts of them, but I do not like how they handled this growing Mm. up or what I went through. And you make mental notes to say, hey, I don't ever want to be like that version. Like I want to take what I learned and build upon it. And I think that's ultimately like we talked earlier, like right before we started recording about like lifespan development and it goes into like parenting and everything like that and say, hey, like what you're doing, like with your children around and I'm not a parent. So like I'm not speaking from a level of profession of any way, shape or form. (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's just more so the concepts of they're watching more than you think they're watching Mm. and the way that you behave and you treat other people even if it's as subconscious as like being nice to like the waiters or being nice to like stocking people in the stores or cashiers, like that resonates with children. So if you see your parents being mean or nasty, whatever, like you're likely to repeat that stuff. Mm -hmm. And it isn't until you start to unpack that as you continue to age and say, Hey, I don't want to be that person anymore. And really kind of healing from that generational trauma that 
a lot of people don't even know it's there because they're like, oh, there's nothing wrong with the way that I behave. But there's mm-hmm. something wrong with every, everybody does something in right. that that's not 100% the best way to be doing it. Then they just don't want to change because it is a lot of work. But yeah, that's like, I don't mean to go on that, t- no. that tangent. Like, I think that's the, my new th- my new focus right now is like that level of self-awareness that goes into like the generational, like your parents, your grandparents, like two generations past. Like, what is what is it that they were doing versus what is it that you're doing? And the opportunities that you have now with the internet, that's one of my big things now is trying to get my mom to like start her own business. Like she could be making quadruple the amount of money she's making and just by turning herself into an LLC and doing her own thing. Like, Mm -hmm. and same thing with my father. I'm like, Hey, like you need to be posting the the information you have on these topics. Like you should be posting on Instagram or TikTok for free. Like Uh you will gain a following. Like you're funny. Like you need Mm -hmm. to be doing this. Um, But I think it's just really hard to, communicate like modern advances of it with what they've learned like a lot of parents people's parents aren't willing to unpack and realize that like hey things have changed things are mm-hmm. different now um and i think that just starts with like the the healing that we do now will benefit future generations so if we're investing like circling all the way back like if we're investing in therapy if we're investing in life coach financial coach business coach like spend the money now rather than starbucks or chipotle or going out to clubs like fucked a hundred dollar bottle of champagne, like mm-hmm. put a hundred dollars into a life coach. And even for 30 days, like right. you, the amount of benefit you'll get from it will long surpass a night of clubbing. Like, and right. that's just, I get the, I get the appeal, like of going out and doing that. And I've, I've had my fair share of that. And like looking back, like there's never been a time that I'm like, I'm really glad I went out and spent that money. Like, right. No, the memories are few and far between, especially when alcohol is involved anyway. So mm-hmm. it's not really worth it. Right. No, I love all that you said there. And especially with learning financial literacy is something that I want to get more into as well and just unpack that. And I'm probably soon going to be investing in something like that because it, everyone says like, don't talk about money, but it's like, no, let's talk about money. Let's talk about taxes, how we can get tax cuts, not in a bad way, but how we can manage our money and things like that. And that's something that my my mom's side of the family, my mom's from Yugoslavia, uh, not a country anymore, but in Serbia, they were always open about talking about money and things like that. Cause that was a huge part of when they came over, they literally had nothing, you know, so that money was a thing they had to talk about, had to learn. And so I I'm always open ears when they give advice and different things like that. But also this idea you talked about with the generational trauma I think it's recognizing you mentioned it well, that not all parents were a hundred percent, you know, all the time. And which is so understandable. You can't, you literally can't be 110% a great parent 24 seven. And I can't speak from experience. I'm not a parent as well, but just understanding that it's okay that your parents didn't, I wouldn't say like, how do I, how do I wear this? Like, it's okay that your parents made mistakes, right? And I'm not angry at my parents for, you know, teaching me this or that, but recognizing that it's something that I can change within myself by unpacking those moments. You know, Tiger Woods, when he was a kid, he had a really bad relationship with his father. They used to go golfing and he used to like terrorize the kid when he's nine years old about golfing. And then he, his Tiger Woods father also had problems like sexual problems with different relationships. And you see those same problems arise with Tiger Woods. Dude has millions of dollars, a great family, but
but then he has, you know, problems with his sexual relationships on the side. And it's because he learned that from his father. So unpacking things like that is super powerful in whatever realm or space it is in your life. I think, I think just to, to add on to that, like one of the most, I'd say it's like one of the most traumatizing phrases, but also the most freeing phrases I've ever heard. And like, kind of like really integrated into my life is like, nobody's parents really know what the fuck they're doing. Like they're mm-hmm. figuring it out as they go because all they have as a point of reference is their parents. Like mm-hmm. you only have your two parents and some people may like, obviously like uh, through the foster system and, and like people have more parents or more parental figures and it may not be direct generation. People are raised by their grandparents and stuff like that too. But like most of the time your parents, like they're figuring it out as they go. Mm-hmm. And you can't fault them for doing that because they, again, they didn't know any better at the time. And looking back, they may know better and they may have made changes and done things differently. Or now they sit and they live in regret until you're able to have that conversation that says, listen, like I forgive you for whatever it is that like traumatized me or uh, just kind of led me down this path because I don't blame you for it. Like Mm -hmm. ultimately, like my actions are a result of like my consequences are the result of my actions alone. Mm -hmm. I can't blame you for who I am because then you go into nature versus nurture and like, yes, you're biologically similar to both of your parents and it's not an even 50 50 split but at the same time like people who are predisposed to like alcoholism and stuff like that and not Mm -hmm. to go down that road at all it's just how much of it can you blame on genetics versus like your current environment and what you're actually doing to overcome some of that stuff like if you recognize that these patterns are there and you're not doing anything to remove yourself from those uh, environments I think there is a level of like accountability that needs to be held on yourself too and you can't just be well they were this so like Tiger Woods, like my dad did this. So now I have to do that. Like mm-hmm. he could have, he could have broken that generational curse right there, that generational trauma and said, I'm going to make a point and to not be that person and to put everything I have into my marriage and my relationships with my kids or whatever it may be. Right. But yeah. I think like releasing your parents from that bond of like, they feel like they need to always have answers for you. And in all reality, like they don't, and that's mm-hmm. okay. Like, especially now with the modern technology, like Google, and <laughs> you can find pretty much anything you need on the internet or and, and this is a weird concept for a lot of people, a lot of like younger generations too, is like going to like libraries and reading books again and like really getting back into like the knowledge seeking side of the world rather than the entertainment side, mm. just really putting that time and effort into it. Yeah, that was, that was, that was beautifully said uh, all of it, I think, especially with the parents. Um, I want to be conscientious of your time, Roman. We always ask this question, um, if you could text yourself five years in the past, what would you say and why? And if you could text yourself five years in the future, what would you say and why? And take a beat before you answer. You know, everyone rushes people into questions like <laughs> take a second, you know, sit with it for before uh, you respond. So, well, I think I think I could answer the past one faster than the future one. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because over the last few years, I, I say few years within the last de- five years, um exactly like the realm of this question is like losing significant relationship in my life losing significant job in my life um moving across the country like a lot of things that have happened over the last five years have kind of led me up to where i'm at today and Mm -hmm. i think if i'm going to text myself five years ago like dude like don't put your career for somebody else if you're working for somebody else don't put that shit in front of all of your life like mm. the, the company is not going to be there for you. Like when your relationship goes south, like the company is not going to take care of you if they don't have money anymore. Like 
your friends, your family, those relationships, like you need to be putting everything you have into those and networking and building those, like just really nurturing those relationships Mm -hmm. as opposed to focusing on your career because Mm -hmm. your career could literally be over in a second. And now you're stuck with square one again. But if you don't have those people around you, you don't have a support system because you threw everything to the wayside. Like that's more unpacking that you don't, I don't wish that upon anybody to have to go through like that kind of stuff. Cause there's certain traumas that like you can't avoid and still learn those lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's definitely like to my past self. Yeah, definitely. Like put your, your personal relationships, like your personal happiness above your career. That's making somebody else money. Like you're making a dime while they make $10. Like, forget that dude like mm-hmm. don't don't put that don't put that as your pedestal um oh man to the future me like i don't even know what i would say to him like i guess be mindful of like the path that you're taking and like who you're bringing along with you like just uh, other than asking myself questions like where are you at right now <laughs> mm-hmm. i think that would be like a lot of fun to know like where i'm at in 5 years um but ultimately I think is like finding the life that makes you happy. And it's not like a, a work and a life balance, but like ultimately like, what is it that's going to make you happy? And are you at least chasing it in some way, shape or form? Mm. Even if you're stuck working nine to five or you're working part-time with someplace you don't enjoy, like, are you at least chasing happiness on the side? And I think like, just to speak personally on it, like I found that like gardening and growing produce and like I grow super hot peppers and like fruits and vegetables and stuff like that just for fun. Like mm-hmm. I have enjoyed the hell out of that. And now it makes me like, okay, well, cool. Like now I want to buy a house with a big yard uh-huh. and all I want to do is just grow that stuff on the side. Like it literally takes nothing out of me to go outside and water the plants, like go outside, water them, fertilize, take care of them. And then they produce food. And I think that for me is like, even in any capacity, being able to do that and having that outlet would be that level of happiness of mm. it doesn't matter what a bunch of the other shit that's going on in my life. Like if I have part one thing here and part one thing there, like, are you still like pushing towards that happiness? And it looks different for everybody. Like mm-hmm. it could be collecting something like I collect there's a bunch of star Wars shit behind me. Uh-huh. Like I used to be way into collecting star Wars stuff. And now I've just kind of tapered back because it doesn't make me as happy as it used to. It's mm-hmm. now, now it's a money game with who's going to save the most expensive shit. So you can't collect stuff you want to collect. Like mm-hmm. I see Pokemon is exploding again uh-huh. and people just, yeah, people just want to collect the most expensive stuff and hold on to it. And I'm like, nobody's collecting it for the sake of collecting anymore because mm-hmm. of enjoyment they're collecting because they see a monetary upside potential to it mm-hmm. like there's not even a guarantee for a lot of it um but yeah i think yeah five years in the future is a really hard one because i feel like i'd have more questions than like what like what's going on where are you at like hey you wrote a list in your journal back in 2020 like of shit that you wanted to get done in five years like how many <laughs> things have you knocked off like where are you at mm-hmm. uh, that's definitely more exciting to see uh, in the future and to see what goals i've hit um, I know you and Steph talked about it uh, too. And I've seen like in your post talk about like being an author and writing and stuff like that. Mm. Like that's a huge goal of mine. And I just like outside of freelance work and like I started a personal blog, like that one's a really hard one for me to like hone in and really get going on. So like I've been using, I utilize like my social media to be like, Hey, this is like a, a journal entry essentially. Like here's where I'm at, whether it's good or bad. And here's a photo of like, I like to post up about books to encourage mm-hmm. people to read more. So a lot of my posts are about books and what they're actually entailed and like it may not be for everybody but i'm honest about that because mm-hmm. hey if you're not focused on business don't read this book because it's all about business right um but yeah just i think it's exciting to see like writing stuff down now and see like let's check back in five years and see where mm. everything's at it's really really fun yeah and i think this podcast will be a good pinpoint for you five oh, years from now <laughs> you know looking back you can you can see where you're at and that brings up another great 
point is reflecting on your life, just reflection and reflection leads to wisdom in whatever capacity. Um, Roman, I just want to say, I appreciate you and I want to honor you for, for doing your thing. You know, a lot of people don't prioritize happiness and things like that in their life, but also in their work and what they do. So I just want to shout you out for that and say how grateful I am for, for you coming on. Um, a kind of closing thought, is there anything you want to leave the world with? Leave the Bridge podcast, uh, just anything you want to say, shout out to the world, free reigns <laughs> here, all, all you want to say. I appreciate it. Well, one, thank you very much for the kind words. I greatly appreciate it. I appreciate what you're actually doing here and, and making a difference in the conversations you're having in general is I think I think it's going to be revolutionary as time continues to go on, as you have this all documented now, while people are beginning to learn this age of documentation, mm -hmm. I think you are so far ahead already that like, it's only going to serve you better. So I look forward to like a continuing friendship and like mm -hmm. conversations in the future. Absolutely. And I think if I'm going to say like one thing out there, like, I don't even like, what do you, what do you get remembered by in the last moment of the podcast that will be referenced in the future kind of thing? <laughs> um, with yourself be okay with being alone and don't put somebody else's happiness above your own are like the three like big lessons there like hone in on your shit do what you need to be doing but take care of yourself like find that happiness for yourself above all i love that all right you guys heard it here if you made it to the end of the podcast again i appreciate you and this has been a great episode i can't wait to go through i got like two pages of notes already <laughs> definitely gonna have to reference this one a lot and uh, yeah, thank you for being here and we love you guys and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks guys.